Well, as you know, during the summer months, we have been trying to give you a taste of what Alpha is about, talking, uh, using the Alpha Talks, giving you a, a quick sketch of what that, that is. Today, uh, we're going to hear uh, one of the other Alpha Talks uh, from a guest. His name is uh, Mike Watkins. He's the senior pastor at Runnymede Community Church. And I'm going to do a quick little interview with Mike because he and his, his church has run Alpha for many years. So Mike, if you could come forward. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to church. <laughs> There we go. <laughs> Try to direct this away. We're still getting the sound bugs worked out here. You have uh, run Alpha at your church for many, many years. Tell us yeah. a bit about the history, the different iterations of how so, Knox, uh, Alpha has taken shape. So I, I was telling you that um, when we first started Alpha, um, it was a group of people sitting around a, a cassette tape recorder listening to... <laughs> remember those? There's, some of you probably don't know what those are. Um, uh, listening to Nikki Gumbel uh, speak only in audio. And uh, so we've, uh, we, we started that way and we've, done, uh, we've run Alpha at least once a year um, for all of those years. Um, and it's, it's, uh, I, I've been at Running Mead for 18 years. Um, sometime in my early days, we started running it in a local pub, and we did that for uh, 10 or 12 years hmm. or so. Uh, we've run it with small groups, in people's homes, in, uh, in our church building. Uh, last year, uh, we really felt that God was uh, calling us out of the pub and back into our church building. Okay. And so we, we set up there, and we actually had, had a, uh, uh, one of our largest uh, groups of Alpha, which was 50 people. It doesn't sound like a huge number, but it's, uh, but it's good for us. That's great. And uh, it, was a really, uh, it was a really great time. People, uh, we had a number of people who uh, made some serious steps forward in terms of their relationship with God. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I found Alpha to be one of these great accessible evangelism tools for the church. Talk about some of the, the fruit that you've seen from working with Alpha in your church. Um, we've actually... Uh, well, our, almost half our leadership team has come through <laughs> through Alpha. Really? Um, maybe not that many, but uh, uh, um, our church administrator came to Christ through mm. through Alpha, uh, and now she's on staff yeah. uh, with us. Um, our uh, again, people on our management team, our leadership team. Um, one of my one of my favorite stories is uh, uh, a woman who. Um, was really opposed to the faith and to church and to, um, uh, was angry with God. And, and she had this uh, fairly aggressive Christian friend at work who came up to her one day and said, uh, said you're going to Alpha. Here's the list of ones that are, that are happening in the city, and I'm, I'll go with you and uh, pick one. Hmm. And so she looked down the list and saw that one was in a pub, and she says, okay, I'll go to that one. And uh, um, she came, and she scowled for the first uh, Many weeks, <laughs> and uh, um, and then on the on the healing night, we ended up. Uh, she had some problems with her her legs, and she was also having some problems with work. Hmm. And uh, she came forward for prayer, and we prayed for her, and prayed for those those problems, but also just prayed that that she would experience God's love for her. And uh, it was amazing because. Uh, um, uh, I was praying with my eyes closed and with uh, uh, one of our good folks named Arthur, and we opened our eyes and looked up at her, and, her, and she was just beaming. Hmm. And, and her whole countenance changed yeah. uh, at, at that time. Um, she started coming to church. 
to our, to, to our congregation and uh, attended for many years, moved out of the city now. Her parents was, were really concerned she had joined a cult. And uh, so I, I said, well, cults are very controlling. And uh, so if you feel like you're controlled, then, then stop coming. And I said, I can't control my children. So, um, <laughs> so, so I think you're okay. Um, and, uh, but that was, uh, was kind of one of my favorite stories. But we've had a number of stories like that. Yeah. yeah. You, so you know about the big alpha campaign going on. And you yourselves have advertised and done other things. What have you found the most effective means for people coming to Alpha. Yeah. Once again, like you hear it over and over again, it's personal invitation. Yeah. That the, the advertising and uh, things like this card and stuff like that are really just back up to, to make, so usually so people don't think they're coming to a cult. Um, and <laughs> and uh, think, you know, realize, okay, I've seen that before, maybe there's something to it. And, yeah. uh, but it's that personal invitation. Uh, once again, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in, in the message. Well, let's pray for you now, and then we're going to hear a scripture reader. So let's join in prayer. God, thank you so much for this servant here, for Mike. Thank you for his ministry with Running Mead Community Church, and we pray that you would anoint him in that leadership capacity and for proclaiming your word here this morning. Thank you for the gift that he is. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture reading this morning is Matthew 28, 16 to 20. If you have one of the red Bibles, it's page 989, or it's right here in your um, bulletin. So this is the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. I said it that way. Um, so yeah, my name is Mike Wilkins, and, uh, and I am pastor at Runnymede Community Church. We used to be uh, up until about 10 or 15 years ago, we were called Runnymede Baptist Church, um, and uh, we changed the name really as an outreach strategy. We realized that the word Baptist was a bit of a hurdle for people to get over, and we didn't want to have that hurdle for, for people, so we changed the name. We didn't change too much else about, uh, about us in so many ways. We still function as a, as a Baptist church, and usually I, I like to introduce myself as a Baptist minister because there's so many good jokes. Um, and... Uh, um, such as a fellow walks onto a bus and sits down beside this woman, and she says, you must be a Baptist minister. And he says, no, ma'am, I'm just in a bad mood. And uh, um, anyways, like we've been, we have been running Alpha for, for quite a while. And uh, when Phil contacted me to come and uh, share with you, I was really glad to do that. We, one of the things that we did uh, four years ago, my, my family and we have three children, my wife Pamela, um, we, we were able to be in the Dominican Republic for four months, um, and uh, we introduced Alpha um, to, um, uh, to a Haitian village as well as Haitian leaders living in the Dominican Republic um, uh, down there. And so I was actually, I did these talks, um, uh, translated into Creole, 
with this wonderful translator named, named uh, Maria, who every once in a while would, I would say something, and, and instead of translating it, she'd go, really? <laughs> and, and so she was wonderful because she was actually more passionate than I was as she spoke, uh, and uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a, a great thing. So it's, it's really wonderful to come here and to talk, uh, uh, give one of the Alpha Talks, and the Alpha Talk that I, that I want to give today is, is about telling others. And, and it's one of those talks, actually, that's a bit of a hard talk, because telling others is one of those things that scares most Christians. And uh, um, we have, we have uh, one of our leaders in our church is actually that word evangelism that you used. Uh, for the longest time, when I first arrived, she would get, she would, she, she would get physically uncomfortable when, when we'd use that word. And she was, uh, you know, has a wonderful relationship with God through Jesus Christ. She's a strong leader in our church, but she had grown up in the church. She had gone through all these evangelistic programs uh, through the 60s and 70s and 80s, um, had been felt pressurized to do these things, and then felt she was pressurizing other people. And, and, and it just really um, uh, um, wounded her in, in many ways uh, around that. And so we have this, uh, uh, in certain areas of Christianity, we have this kind of fear of, of evangelism. Uh, that that goes on, but it's it's so important actually in our in our Christian lives, and to be telling others about the relationship that we have with Jesus, to be telling others about Jesus, and the first reason why we need to tell others is that. Jesus told us to. And as people who say we follow Jesus, we actually have to do what He says to do. Um, and uh, and this is. You know, we see it right in the, in the scripture that was, that was read um, that he tells us to go into the world and tell others. The word go appears uh, 50, over 1,500 times in the Bible. I, I didn't count that myself. Um, someone else did. But we are constantly told to go and tell, go and invite, go and make disciples. So we do this because Jesus tells us to. The second reason is that is is because of our love for others. Um, that what we have in Jesus Christ is so wonderful and so amazing that to not tell someone would not would not be an act of love. <laughs> um, and so, in order to love those who are around us, we need to tell them. There are so many people who are struggling to find meaning, struggling with shame, uh, struggling with deep spiritual pain, um, and, and uh, even the fear of death. And to not explain to them the hope that we have in Jesus Christ uh, would not be loving to them. Another reason is that, is that it's good news. Um, it is really, truly good news. Uh, and because it's good news, we, we can't keep it to us, ourselves. We, we don't want to. Good news travels quickly. Um, I, I was telling Phil that yesterday I drove down from the wilderness. We have this, my family has this little cabin up in the eastern part of the province. And uh, um, it's unplugged. And uh, um, if I go and stand up on the ridge in the very right place and hold my tongue in the right way, I can get a cell signal. And... Um, I have a grandniece born in Honduras yesterday. Within minutes from Honduras 
My niece, Lauren, she's married to uh, Diego de la Vega. What a great name. And they had this, they had the, it's the same name as Zorro. Um, <laughs> my nephew is Zorro. Uh, anyways, they had, they had this baby, uh, Ellie Faith, and, um, and within minutes, I knew. Because it's good news. And it's exciting. And she's cute as a button. And, and so, so they had to tell everyone. And it's the same way with our faith. It's good news. And so it should travel fast. When we're excited about our relationship with Jesus, the most natural thing in the world is to tell people. So if that's why we do it, then how do we go about it? Um, and it goes back to the word love. That the way that we tell people is in love. Paul says it's Christ's love that compels us. That's what compels us. That's why we tell people, and that's how we tell people. It's not about shoving Christianity down people's throat. It's about actually loving them. We don't have to be weird or pushy. It's about being the good news and not just talking about it. And um, Alpha gives us kind of five headings to talk about how we tell others. And the first heading, and then I'll start with P. This is the only time I ever alliterate is when I'm giving an alpha talk. Uh, <laughs> other preachers alliterate, and I walk away from the sermon, and I say, and they'll say, what was that sermon about? And I say, I don't really know, but it was brought to you by the number five and the letter P. And that's all I know. So hope you can write these things down. Maybe you'll remember them that way, or if you're good with alliteration, you can remember that. But the first one is presence. In Matthew chapter 5, uh, 13 to 16, Jesus says this. He says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others, and they will see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And so Jesus says to, to us, to this group of people he's talking to, he says, you're, you're, you are salt. Uh, you stop things from going bad. That's why salt was used. You're light. You end the darkness. You can make a difference. And we can only do that if we're actually engaged in the world around us. Uh, we're not to spend all of our time just with Christians. We're not, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. I think that we actually oftentimes get that backwards, that, we're, that, that we, we stay out of the world, but we end up really being of the world. <laughs> uh, but we need to be in the world, not of the world, distinct from the world, present, but distinct as Christians, we are to be visible and, and, and maybe the most active force for change in the world, for good in our communities and in our families and in the world around us. Um, Sometimes when, people, when we ask people why they came to Alpha, their answer actually isn't so-and-so invited me, but their answer is, I saw the change that it made in my friend, in my brother, in my father, in my mother, in my sister, and I wanted to see what that was about. It should change our lives, but it also should change the way that we interact with the world around us. William Wilberforce uh, that movie uh, a bunch of years ago, Amazing Grace, came out about, about his life. Uh, when he was age 27, he sensed God's call to fight against um, the, the slave trade in Britain. 
there was 10 million slaves that left, left Africa for the plantations in 1787 alone. That year he put down a motion in Parliament about the slave trade, and it wasn't a popular cause. This is what he said about it, though. He says, he says so enormous, so dreadful did its wickedness appear that in my own mind, my own mind was completely made up for abolition. Let the consequences be what they would, I was firm, uh, uh, sorry, I from that time determined I would never rest until I had effected its abolition. He brought forward bills to Parliament in 1789, in 1792, in 1796, in 1798, in 1799, and they all failed. In, in 1831, he sent a message, a message to the Anti-Slavery Society, which he said, our motto must be perseverance. And ultimately, I trust the Almighty will crown our efforts with success. And, and God did. In July of 1833, remember, he started this back in 1789. In 1833, the abolition of slavery bill was passed in both houses of parliament. Three days later, Wilberforce died. He was buried at Westminster Abbey in London in, in national recognition for his 45 years of persevering struggle on behalf of African slaves. That was years ago. What about today? And there's still massive needs because there's still massive injustice. One of the things I heard on the radio this week uh, was uh, the the group Care Canada was saying that because of the craziness down in the States, and this was probably before uh, the, the, most, the, the, the most recent difficulties with, with race, um, but because of the craziness down in the States, it's distracting charitable givers for, from humanitarian crises that are happening all over the world. And so, so charitable giving is actually down because we've got our our, our eyes focus on, on a bit of a circus that's going on. But still, and these numbers are a bit old, but, but they they're probably have increased, if nothing else. But there's 800 million people who live on less than a dollar a day and go to bed hungry every night. For, for, for every three seconds, poverty takes a child's life. And there's 30,000 children died today because of preventable diseases. 8,000 die of AIDS every day in developing countries. There'll be 15 million preventable deaths this year alone. And that could be over, overwhelming to hear all those numbers. It's overwhelming to me. And you kind of think, well, what, what can I do? <laughs> this person living in Toronto, uh, how can I make a difference? You, you might know the story of a man walking down uh, a beach at a low tide in, in Mexico. He saw that there was these thousands uh, of starfish left, in, left stranded on the beach and, and dying there because of not being in the water uh, and being out in the sun. And, and off in the distance, uh, the man sees, sees a young boy, uh, and, uh, and he's picking up a starfish and going down to the sea and throwing it back into the sea just one at a time, and he gets up to the boy, and he, and he, and he asks him what he's doing, and the boy says, oh, I'm saving these starfish, and, and he says, well, what difference does that make? There's thousands out here on the beach, and, uh, and, and the boy leans down, and he picks up a starfish, and he walks down to the water and throws it in the water. He says, I think it made a difference for that one. 
And, uh, and if that's all that we can do is make a difference for that one. Um, my, my, my wife actually hates that story, um, and <laughs> she thought it was really hokey until our time down in the Dominican Republic, and then she got this little necklace with a starfish on it to remind herself that maybe she can't do change the whole system, but she can make a difference for, for, for one. Again, Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Oftentimes, we think of when we say you need to shine your light, and us folks who, you know, born and bred in the church and, 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 and are, 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 have kind of walked through this, we think that when, when we hear shine your light, that we have to be evangelizing people. But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says shine your light and they'll see your good deeds. They'll see, they'll see the way you live and they'll glorify God in heaven. The second... Um, P is persuasion. In Acts chapter 17, uh, it says this, As his custom was, Paul went to the synagogue. On three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and providing and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. And some of them were persuaded. And there is a big difference. I told, told you about our, our friend uh, at Runnymede who was tired of being pressured. There's a big, big difference between persuasion and pressure. I don't know how you respond to pressure, um, but I, I already hate shopping. That's one of the, it's, it, I want, if I want to tell my wife I love her, I tell her I'll take her shopping. And she goes, you will? <laughs> uh, but if I walk into a store and the, the, the salespeople are all over me trying to make sure I buy something before I leave, I leave quite quickly because I just I don't like to be pressured. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that many Christians are, are turned off or afraid of evangelism because they see it as being called to pressurize, pressurize people. And, and it's also why so many people are turned off when we try to explain the gospel to them because they've been pressurized before. And I think, that, I, I think that where this comes from is actually for maybe the last, I don't know, 70 years or so, we have been taught a model of evangelism that's actually not based in the Bible. It actually comes from door-to-door sales. In door-to-door sales, you knock on the door and you start by convincing the person that they need the product that you're selling. You have to, to convince them that they have a need. You do this by convincing them that they have a problem that your product solves, uh, you know, and it's a real plus if the problem is, is something that produces shame, you know. So uh, you have dishpan hands. Well, I've got good news for you. Um, I, my dish soap softens as it cleans. And, uh, you know, or, or um, you know, you have, you have ring around the collar. Well, I've got... And that's shameful, of course, but I've got good news for you because my spray and wash will remove those terribly embarrassing stains. Uh, you have gingivitis, you know? I don't think we ever heard of gingivitis until somebody created mouthwash. Um, and, you know, so I've got good news for you. My mouthwash will, uh, will, will cure that fatal gingivitis and, uh, and, and that shameful, stinky breath of yours. And the way that it works with selling Jesus 
I mean, I mean evangelism, is, is that we need to convince people that they are riddled with shameful sin. And that sin leads to death. But I have good news. My Jesus will cure you of that deadly sin. Instead of introducing them to someone we have a relationship with, we, we sell them Jesus. I think the sales model of evangelism came out of the great revivals of the early 20th century. And at that time, I think the Holy Spirit was moving and convincing the, the well-churched, um, upstanding people that they were still in need of Jesus' forgiveness because they didn't think they did. They, they needed Jesus' forgiveness because they were good people. And the Holy Spirit convinced them that they had sin and that they needed Jesus' forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit still does this because God still loves arrogant, churchy people and wants to forgive them too. But I believe that the main way that the Spirit is drawing people to Jesus today is, is not convincing them of the horror of sin, but by showing them the goodness of God. I really, really believe that that's the way the Spirit is moving today. The very first temptation in the beginning, way back in the Garden of Eden, is to believe that God is not good. Did God really say that? You know, he doesn't have your back. We're trying to convince people to come into a relationship with someone they think is a jerk. We should partner with the Holy Spirit and show people the goodness of God. Without Jesus, our relationship with the good God is still broken. We will need to ask for forgiveness. We will need to deal with the sin in our life. But that's not the place to start the conversation with folks. Today, the place to start the conversation is in the goodness of God. In, in, for me, the goodness of God is, is focused so much on his presence that he's with me constantly, day in and day out. Again, I was telling fellows up at our, our cabin, and I was, I was there, uh, and it was just me and the dog and Jesus. And, and I, I, I know, and I'm, I, uh, maybe I am bragging. I don't, I don't mean to brag, but I feel God's presence. And it's such a blessing, and it's such a gift to, to kind of walk knowing his presence. I, I have a uh, a young friend who in the last couple of years has stepped away from the faith. It was an intellectual difficulty that he had with the faith. And, and on reflecting on this with another Christian friend of mine, and being very sad over this, I, 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 I said, if I stopped believing in God, I'd be so lonely. Because his presence is so important to me, and it's so good the 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 I'm reading a book right now called Skin Boat, um, uh, written by a guy named Terpsta from from Hamilton. A great book. You should read it. And he doesn't use God's name, and he doesn't use Jesus' name. Instead of Jesus, he calls him the one who won us over. I just love that. The one who won us over. It focuses so much on God's love. There's so much in the scriptures about the goodness of God. There's so much in our lives about the goodness of God. Uh, you know, 
Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And, um, and I don't have them in my notes. Let's see if my memory is good. But uh, peace and love and joy. Uh, help me out here. Give me patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. That's, what, sorry, what was it? Self-control. That's a great one. I need that. If we said, you know, this is what we have to offer. Peace and patience, self-control, joy. This is what God gives us. Wow. <laughs> you wouldn't have to convince me I was sinful because I'd have to say, wow, boy, do I need that stuff. I still need it. The gifts of the Spirit, the way, if we, if, if, if we talk to people and said that God wants to give you um, the ability to bless people in his name with, with talents, with abilities, such that they will feel God's presence when you, when you help them out in this way. Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, Peter says to us in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Well, how do we prepare? How do we prepare to do that? And as Christians, I would say that what we need to do is to meditate on the goodness of God. Meditate on the goodness of God. I don't know whether Presbyterians meditate or not. I think they do. Eugene Peterson, he's a good Presbyterian. So, and he taught me how to meditate, so at least through his books. Uh, Ed Savolso, who I'm going to quote from in a, in a little while, he says, he says you all, if you don't meditate, you already know how to meditate because you know how to worry. So just take the worry and, and start thinking about good stuff instead. And that's how to meditate. Another, another friend of mine says the, the, the meditation is, is simply reading a passage of Scripture and staring out the window. I can also do that. Meditate on the goodness of God. Let that concept just fill your whole being so that when you open your mouth, that's what comes out. And here's... The next, next P is opening your mouth, is proclamation. It's about communicating the message of Jesus. And there are many ways that we can do this, but one of the simplest ways is to say to people, come and see. Um, John 1.42 says, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And one writer put as a side note right beside that scripture, the greatest service that one person can render another. That really, we might, even if we, we can't explain theological points and stuff like that, what we can do is, is say, come, come and see Jesus. It's something we can all do. We don't read very much about Andrew in, in the Gospels, except that he was always bringing people to Jesus all the time. Peter becomes one of the greatest influencers in human history. Countless millions of people's lives have been affected by the apostle Peter, but it was Andrew who brought him to Jesus. We can't all do what Peter did, but we can do what Andrew did. He simply brought his brother to Jesus. In, in 1934, there was a fellow named Albert McMakin. And he invited 
Uh, he, he was inviting people to uh, um, uh, a religious service uh, where the gospel was going to be presented. He invited this teenage son of a farmer to come along. Teenage, uh, teenager didn't want to come, so Albert said, well, look, you can drive the truck. So, of course, he came. I know my boys would, would come if you let them drive the truck. Um, and the young man heard the message of Jesus Christ, and he accepted Christ that, that night. That farmer's son went on to speak to over 200 million people in person about the Christian faith. Um, and then if you add the use of TV and, and radio, the number goes up to half the world's population who has heard him speak. Um, and he was the friend and confidant of nine American presidents. Of course, he's Billy Graham. We can't all be Billy Grahams. But we can all be Albert Macon's. We can be the one who says, come and see. We can bring our friends to Christ. With, with Knox running Alpha this fall, you have the opportunity to be an Albert McMakin. And, and I know that they just said um, to, to take that card and invite one friend. Uh, inflation has hit. And I'm going to say, think of five friends and, and collect more cards. If you, you don't need cards. Are you guys having a meal? You're having a meal. That's great. Because if you invite me to a meal, I'll come. And I bet you that most of your friends are the same way. And you say, look, we're going to have a meal together. We're going to enjoy conversation. We're going to talk about Jesus. And then there's going to be a discussion. You can say anything you want about Jesus at that point in time. And you can ask any question you want about him. Most of my friends would come with an invitation like that. So I want you, because it's what, the 27th you're starting? So you've got more than a month. I want you to, to uh, you're writing, take out your phone, think of five people, put them in there, and start praying for them. And say, Lord, I just want you to give me opportunity and to invite them. I would say don't invite them too soon because it, it's, it puts too much pressure on them. Um, if you invite them the day of and say, hey, we've got a bunch of friends getting together for a meal and talk about Jesus, you want to come? A lot of people would say yes. Maybe don't leave it that long. But the second thing that we can do is to tell our own story. If you read the book of Acts, Paul was constantly telling people his own story, how he encountered Jesus and, and turned from persecuting the church. And, and when friends ask about the hope that you have, you can tell your own story. You, you know, they can argue about the, the evidence for the resurrection or the, or the contradictions that they perceive that the Bible has or whatever, but they can't argue with your story, your experience, how you have experienced God's presence. When, when Jesus healed the blind man, there was a lot of people who, who came and questioned him because he happened to do it on the, on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees came and questioned the once blind man and, and to look about it, and they were cross-examining him, and they were quite angry that he got healed on that day. And he said, look, I don't know the answers to all your questions. But I can tell you this. Once I was blind, and now I can see. And there's really no argument against that. That's my experience. The fourth P is power. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, he says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. Sharing the gospel is not just an intellectual exercise. It's important to, to give reasons about your faith, to understand that we actually have um, uh, evidence and we have reasons around our faith, but, but you can't persuade people just intellectually. It's not just about words. Ultimately, it's about 
the power of the Holy Spirit working in their lives. It's about God's love for them through the Holy Spirit. Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And it's that experience of the Holy Spirit working in people's lives, showing them the love of God that draws people to Christ. Oftentimes at the end of Alpha, we ask people to, to fill out a little form that asks them, you know, what, what was life like before Alpha, what changed during Alpha, things like that. And there's a few examples of what, what people wrote there. They said, they, one person writes, it's an experience like no other. When I was at my lowest point, when nothing seemed right in my life, I asked for forgiveness and for Jesus to enter my life. He did so immediately, and I was at peace at last. Another person writes, I felt a warmth come over me and a feeling of a weight being lifted from my shoulders. Another person writes, the inner loneliness left me. I said before, it was like a disease. Profound feelings of love, compassion, and, and kindness came to me. I cannot now imagine living life without God in my life. And the fifth and, and last P is prayer. Paul, St. Paul loved people, and out of that love came a desire to pray for them. In Romans 10, 1, he says, My heart's desire and prayer to God is that they may be saved. And so often when someone's faith comes alive, they find out that someone, and it's usually a grandmother, um, has been praying for them. And it may be a gradual thing, sometimes more dramatic. I heard Tony Campolo tell this story, and he tells it much better than I do, but you got me today, not Tony. Uh, he, um, he tells a story about how a bunch of years ago he was invited to preach at a Pentecostal church uh, near his home in, in Pennsylvania. Um, and before the service, the leaders of the church gathered around Tony and uh, prayed for him in good Pentecostal form. They all laid hands on him and, uh, and prayed for him. And, and they, they, Tony, as Tony tells it, they prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And he was getting a little tired of being prayed for, really wanted to get up and preach. And, uh, but one fellow started to, to pray, and he seemed to go off on his own little tangent. And he says, Oh, Lord, be with Charlie uh, Stolfus. My neighbor, you know Charlie, Lord. He's living with, he's leaving his, his wife and three kids today, and he's, and he's going off. Lord, we don't know where Charlie is going, but, but find a miracle to bring him back. Lord, he lives at exit 14A off the Pennsylvania Turnpike. You know, Lord, in that little trailer park, he's, he's the first one, the silver one on the right-hand side. And Tony's thinking, oh, man, what's going on here? Just get your hands off me and let me go preach. Anyways, after he's done the service, he's, he's driving home, and there's a guy hitchhiking on the side of the road. He's got a sign that says, anywhere. And Tony doesn't normally pick up hitchhikers, he says, but he decided that sign was interesting, so he picked him up. Tony says, uh, you know, that, that I was interested in, in your sign. And uh, the guy says, yeah, you know, I really don't care where I'm going, but I, I need to go, I need to leave. You need to get away from here. And Tony says, by the way, I, I'm, I'm Tony Campolo. What's your name? And the guy says, I'm, I'm Charlie Stolfus. And, and so Tony drives on, and when they get to exit 14A, 
Tony exits the turnpike and starts driving back. And the guy says, where are you going? Tony says, I'm taking you home. And the guy says, what do you mean you're taking me home? You don't know where I live. And Tony says, yes, I do. It's in the, you're in the trailer park up here. You're the first trailer on the right, the silver one. And the guy says, how do you know that? Who told you that? And Tony says, God told me. And he pulls over and he gets Charlie out of the car and he goes into the trailer with him and talks with him and his wife. And they spend quite a bit of time talking together. And Tony leads them to Christ. And a year later, Tony learned that, that Charlie and his wife had stayed together. Their marriage was healed. And uh, Tony says that Charlie Stolfus has actually become a pastor in, in California. And, uh, and, and maybe he's got a ministry to hitchhikers there or something. There's no lengths that God won't go to to bring us back to him. And our prayers remind God. And we're able to join with him. I, I mentioned... Um, And I've lost his name from my head. Anyways, I'll get it in a minute. But a fellow from Argentina, and I'll find the name in a moment in this, in this old head of mine, um, taught us about evangelism a few years ago using Luke 10, 3 to 9. And I'm going to read this from the, uh, from the, the translation called The Voice. And it's when Jesus sends out the 70 disciples to go out before him and to minister. And he says this. He says, it's time for you 70 to go. I'm sending you out armed with vulnerability. Like lambs walking into a pack of wolves. Don't bring a wallet. Don't carry a backpack. Don't even, I don't even want you to wear sandals. Walk along barefoot, quietly, without stopping for small talk. And when you enter a house seeking lodging, say, peace on this house. If a child of peace, one who welcomes God's message of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, don't worry. Nothing is wasted. Stay where you're welcomed. Become part of the family, eating and drinking whatever they give you. You are my workers, and you deserve to be cared for. Again, don't go from house to house, but settle down in a town and eat whatever they serve you. Heal the sick and say to the townspeople, the kingdom of God has come near you. So what Jesus says um, and uh, uh, what Ed Silvosel taught us uh, is, is what Jesus says to them. He says, he says first bless the people and then uh, eat with them, relate with them, build that relationship with them, and then pray for them. He, Jesus actually says, if there's anyone sick, heal them. Kind of freaks me out a little. Uh, um, but, but I'll at least pray for them to be healed. And then tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Then tell them the good news. Ed says that we oftentimes get that wrong. We knock on the door and we open the door and we try to explain that we're not Jehovah's Witness. And, and then in the, in the next 30 seconds that they'll actually listen to us, we try to tell them that they're sinners and they need the gospel. 
And if they do accept, we'll pray for them, and, and, and we might become their friends, and then we'll bless them. And, and, and we've got it opposite. Because Jesus says, start with blessing, and then build that relationship, and then pray for them, heal their sickness, and then explain the gospel to them. Because they've experienced it already. So go back, if you need a model, the kind of person who likes a model, keep going back to Luke 10, 3 to 9. We already did that. You had practice in blessing one another. You said, the peace of Christ be with you. That's all you got to say. <laughs> if I had the peace of Christ day in, day out, I'd be much happier than I am. And so would your friends. And that's the best way to bless them. And so we pray for people that we want to bring to Alpha, but we also, there are going to be times when people that you've befriended tell you their troubles. We're Canadians, we complain. And what I would like Christians to do, what I'd like myself to do, is to not hear people complaining without saying, wow, that's a huge problem. Can I pray for that? Some people will say yes, and they know that you're going to pray for them right there and then. Some people say, uh, sure, in your own personal prayers. Some, I've never had anybody say no, but I have the blessing of being a pastor, and I'm a professional prayer, so they know what I can do with um, But I've actually never heard of anybody saying no. No, you can't do that. You can't pray for me. I've had atheists say yes, you can pray for me. So pray for each other. I'm going to finish up with just talking about a friend of mine. Uh, uh, um, well, he, he was a friend. I've lost touch with him. Uh, his name is Bob Swan. Um, Bob was a, a missionary in uh, Kenya uh, amongst uh, Somalian refugees in Kenya and then moved to Toronto and was working up in Dixon uh, with Somalian refugees there. The, one, the, the only thing I, that I need to say about Bob is that Bob could not... He, Bob was constantly telling stories. He could never tell a story without God involved. Every story he told was one that had God involved. And it wasn't because he was trying to change me or, or trying to, to, to you know, show me how spiritual he was. But the guy just lived in the presence of God. The reason that every story involved God because God was involved with every story that he experienced. And when we look at telling others... We need to learn to live that life. Just to recognize God's presence. To know that God's involved with every single story that you're living. And to find him. And then you're going to experience that. And when you tell stories, he'll be there. And you'll be telling others without even knowing about it. Let's pray. Lord, you're, um, you are such good news. You are such a good God. Good seems like such a small word, but it is so big. It applies to you. You are so good. Lord, um, so many times we're afraid just to open our mouths about you to our friends. Lord, I pray that you take that fear away and that it would just become part of our lives to talk about you because you are in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.